Welcome back to the Moltovox Music Podcast. This is your host, Dave Lang. I'm delighted today to share a conversation with a fascinating, fascinating artist, maestro, human being. This is Christian Gansch, the Grammy Award-winning conductor of the Munich Philharmonic. I met Christian about a year ago in Germany on a business trip and was absolutely impressed by his ability to talk about what music means to him, both as a performer, a conductor, and a producer. And I wanted to invite him onto the podcast to really give us his take on what classical music means to him and the art of conducting. I'm delighted to be joined by Christian Gansch today. So I'm delighted to welcome Christian Gansch to our podcast today. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first, my first question really is, how are you doing in this uh, time of coronavirus? I hope you're safe and healthy. Yeah, I'm safe and healthy. I'm in Austria. Um, I have a house in Austria. I'm Austrian, by the way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm here since uh, three, four months because, you know, my business is, um, I I hold workshops and everything is uh, canceled, um, had, had been canceled as uh, until September. So yeah. let's see yeah. what I, will happen. I'm keeping fingers crossed happen. as well. And I know you, um, in addition to learning about you as a conductor, I've known you as a business consultant and a business expert. So I send you good wishes that this business picks back up on my side. We have the same challenges. Um, but I thought I might start the, the, the conversation with you um, really to look at, at the art of conducting. And I would be really interested in hearing a little bit about your story, it's fascinating to me that you've gone from being a violin virtuoso to a conductor, to a producer, and also into kind of business consultancy. So you've really moved across everything related to, to music. And I wonder if maybe you could talk to me a bit about how you sort of got started and what originally drew you from violin into the conducting world would be an interesting place to start. I started the violin when I was a young boy. 10, 11, 12 years old, and the leader with the Munich Philharmonic Orchestra. And um, yeah, I played wonderful symphonies and this huge sound and colors and of a, of a great big orchestra, you know, Bruckner, Wagner, Debussy, Ravel, Beethoven. And then I thought, my goodness, uh, I want to conduct myself. Uh, it's An orchestra is only a different instrument. You, know, you can be a piano player, you can be a violinist, or you are a conductor and you use you use the sound of an orchestra. And I was, uh, when I was 10, 12 years old, I already was really fascinated by this wonderful options uh, and, and uh, possibilities uh, of, of, of orchestral sounds. And uh, so I wanted to design the sounds myself. This was the reason why I wanted to be a conductor. I, and I love the Find analogy it. of the orchestra as an instrument. And I've heard you say this before. I wonder if when you started to think about conducting more seriously, you had a couple of mentors or role models in terms of great conductors or even some lesser known conductors that served for you as kind of a, a blueprint for beginning to establish your own conducting, you know, brand as you went forward. Yeah, they didn't help me uh, uh, for my, uh, concerning my career, but uh, their advice was fantastic. You know, uh, if you play, if you're a member of a first class orchestra, uh, you have the chance, you have the chance to talk to the, best conductors in the world because yeah, Seiji Osawa from Boston, uh, Zubin Mehta, uh, Riccardo Muti, uh, Carlo Maria Cellini, all these great names. And I was sitting in front of them. So you have the chance to talk to the best conductors in the world and uh, you learn much more than, um, you know, studying conducting uh, 
on a music university. This is uh, this is a fact, and therefore a lot of conductors worldwide played uh, with an orchestra first uh, before they started their own career. Ah, so so there is there's more than one way to come into conducting. One might be you said formal musical education around conducting. The other might be the path you've taken from the orchestra uh, of, into the. Uh, of course, um, you have to study conducting as well. Yeah, all the uh, technical things and uh, uh, musicological things. You have to study that and you have to understand all the different instruments. Uh, it, it would be a disaster if I, because I was a violinist, if I would understand only violinists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to understand the oboes, the flutes, the percussion section, the, br uh, the, the brass, um, you know, the, the, the harp and the timpani yeah. players. And you have to study that, of course. Uh, but um, if you sit inside of an orchestra every day, uh, six, seven, eight hours for years, for nine years, you learn, automatically you learn a lot. And, uh, uh, and then I used this option, as I said, to talk to the conductors. And uh, this was great for me. A uh, lot of wonderful ideas and um, support concerning how to create my own vision. That, and and I, that is actually what, what I'm most interested in of everything, because I've observed you uh, presenting to, to me and, and others, and really your, your own vision and passion comes through very clearly when I observe you actually um, remembering or reliving the art of conducting, and everything that you do kind of comes together in that moment. And I wonder if I could use the analogy of strategy and execution to think about you developing your conducting style or approach. I imagine there's something that you do to think about or imagine or, or create in your, in yourself, what you are aiming for when you take on a great work and you're interpreting it and you're bringing your own piece. And then you have this orchestra. So there must be a strategy formulation idea piece. And then obviously there's this piece around making the best of a great set of, of, of orchestra members and turning them into a musical instrument, right? So maybe yes. you can talk me through a bit about both of those, Christian. I was fascinated with how you described this to me in our last meeting. From outside, yeah. uh, an orchestra looks like a top-down system. There's the big maestro and powerful maestro in the orchestra, you know, just wants to follow his, uh, his baton. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is not this is not the case. Uh, the structure of an orchestra is much more uh, like the structure of a, of a company. You have uh, almost 15 departments. E each department has two or three leaders. You have a works council inside of an orchestra backstage. You have the HR department, the marketing department, the production services. Um, and therefore, uh, there is not one leader, the conductor. There are more than 20 high-profile leaders from all over the world. Um, yeah. And uh, so the conductor is orchestrating the interplay of different competences, interests, instruments, personalities. Uh, a conductor is somehow like a moderator between all these different departments to create the unity. And he is not the only guy who says, this is the direction, you know. Uh, a wonderful conductor, Herbert von Karajan, said, to conduct means you have to learn to listen. And mm -hmm. he said another wonderful thing. A conductor has to understand when he's not allowed to disturb his orchestra, uh, what I want to say is that the, the cross-functional interaction between the leaders, between the first, second violins, violas, cellos, double bass, uh, woodwinds, brass, this cross-functional interaction 
uh, they have to, to organize this themselves. It's not me, because I have only three rehearsals of two and a half hours, plus maybe one dress rehearsal for a concert which is broadcasted worldwide live. I cannot do everything myself. I need self-motivation. I need people who understand that they are a fertile source to develop the whole organization, the whole orchestra. So <clears throat> uh, it's really a wonderful metaphor uh, of, um, you know, how, how to, to create unity in spite of the fact that you have so many different 30, 40 different instruments and, as I said, departments and leaders and, and, and all of them have to understand uh, the uh, audience paid for unity, you know, and, uh, and for harmony. And we have to establish that and we have to work hard and we have only three rehearsals, as I said, to, 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 to create this unity. And this is the opposite of uh, an easy, an easy, uh, <laughs> lovely, wonderful musical moment. It's hard work yeah. to create this music, uh, this, uh, this harmony. Yeah, I remember I, I watched one of your, um, your video clips. I think it was in German, but you said something like from solo to symphony, right? So this from idea solo of, to symphony, yeah, yes. bringing them from solo, which I think was a fantastic way of describing what it must take. I wonder, though, because you're describing uh, something where you said you only have three rehearsals and some preparation maybe to get this right. How do you as a conductor, and, and, and you played us a couple of, of examples of your interpretation of, I think it was a Mozart piece, against yeah. another conductor's interpretation. And I could feel the difference, even though I am not a yeah. refined listener to everything you've done. How do you... Um, make sure that this 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 orchestra actually understands the things that need to be unique about this performance versus another performance that they would do of the same piece. How do you get this information to them? Um, first, it's my body language. Okay. Of course, if I would have to explain everything, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I, I would need 30 rehearsals and not only three rehearsals. So it's body language, but sometimes, you know, I have to stop and I have to explain what I want, uh, the direction where we should uh, go and uh, the colors I need. Uh, you can play a, a symphony of Beethoven. There are 10,000 options or even more uh, how to, to, to play this piece. And, and a score is only dead paper. Yeah, um, You have to make the score alive. And, and everyone has his own character and his own view and his own perspective. I mean, if you sing a song, yeah. uh, maybe in the bathroom, maybe it's <laughs> it's unique David. Yeah, It's yeah. only David's yeah. uh, version. And it's not <laughs> the version of Lady Gaga. And uh, yeah. so um, everyone has... It's uh, his or her own personality, and this this has a deep influence. Um, how I see Beethoven, and this shouldn't be a spontaneous moment, you know, that uh, this is the feeling uh, how we should do that. No, I, I, I studied Beethoven since I'm since I'm 15, and um, I, I work hard for three, four months. Uh, if I have to conduct the Symphony of Beethoven, I start to to work. Um, with the score, um, yeah, for six months maybe, and uh, not every day, but um, and and the score will talk to me. And what is really what would be really a disaster if I would uh, if I would make a copy of some something someone else. If I would listen to a CD, and then I say, "Wow, this is this sounds great," and I try to to copy that. Um, no, uh, I usually and most of the conductors and even pianists and singers don't want to listen to other recordings 
if they have to sing something themselves or to conduct something themselves themselves um, because then they are yeah they they, they automatically yeah. we would copy uh, this version so we shouldn't listen to other pieces we work hard with the score we play the score on the piano and then we try to find our own style our own version this is essential otherwise it would be a cheap uh, a, a cheap strategy to say, hey, I love this conductor. Uh, let's see what he does. I mean, anyway, uh, we, I played all these symphonies so often that I'm not completely free and innocent. You know, no, I, no, of course. Uh, I, have, I have my memories. Yeah. But uh, just before I work of, uh, or I conduct something, I shouldn't listen to other CDs uh, because this would push me into a direction which is not maybe Christian. That's, and that's fascinating to me. And I, I think, you know, what I take away from this in addition is there really is a great deal of preparation. So there is an element of mastery that when you get to a certain level of mastery, it, it liberates you to actually not copy somebody, but rather to interpret it as you see it. Right. But if you don't have the mastery, you, you may be stuck in copying too much. Right. And so you prep, your preparation is quite critical for this thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, abs you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, uh, it, to copy something is easy somehow because you don't have to think yourself what you want yeah. and, uh, and you don't need to, uh, you don't have sleepless nights. Maybe if you don't copy something, maybe you don't know for three, four days or two weeks what you want and you have to find your own style and this is not something which comes like that and it's there you have to work hard you have to rethink things you have to uh see this the music from another perspective and maybe after a while you get a kind of feeling and you you find your own language mm -hmm. and the way how to interpret uh, in, uh, the, the piece um and uh, yeah it's hard work it's hard work yeah it's interesting you you've you've made a couple of mentions now as we've talked about this of a visual component to this. So, you know, I, I, I would imagine that you are doing a lot of what you're doing by listening, but, but you have, you, you mentioned this in your speech in Germany as well, that I saw this idea that there's something visual and you use the word color. My father um, has synesthesia, if you know this in, in German. So he's, he's hearing music and seeing colors. And yeah, my clear. son, yeah, okay. my, so my son has, has that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I wonder if there's a role that, that plays, if it's not colored, just something about, is there a visual component of this when you're conducting, you're, you're watching the orchestra members, you're not just listening with your ears, but you're using all of your sensory organs to kind of take everything in. Is this part of how you are doing conducting as well? Um, not really. I don't see colors, for example. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I see the musicians. I see the, their way of uh, you know, playing, uh, their style, and I can uh, feel if this is the right, the right uh, way to do that. Because if if I want to create something calm and uh, and soft, and I see them with a lot of power and energy, you know, uh, how they play their instruments with a lot of power and energy then I know I have to change my style of conducting because they, the orchestra is a little bit the mirror. I create the atmosphere and uh, they um, have to, to deal with the situation. And uh, uh, quite often uh, we forget in our world that you know, a conductor is a role model. So if they play in a way that I see them 
acting and I said, my goodness, what's going on? I don't stop and say, what are you doing there? Yeah. I stop and I think, Christian, what can I do that they react in a different way? So um, this is essential for a conductor. But uh, to be honest, I don't see colors, nothing like that. Okay. I feel the music. And if it, uh, if it has this certain uh, yeah, emotion I want to create, then I know I'm on the right way. But, and uh, very often... Very often we forget that um, the musicians uh, are the mirrors um, uh, of of what of my my style and the atmosphere I create. Yeah. No, that, that's that's a very critical point, and I really appreciate the the idea that it really is on you, right? You're the leader, and the leader needs to. We talk about leaders role modeling behavior rather than demanding it from other people. So that's that's quite important. Um, I, I wonder if maybe, you know, uh, before we move to my, my the, the final topic around recording, I'm curious, sort of, um, you, you told a couple of really fascinating stories about um, orchestras that you have led that you thought were really um, sort of indicative of a, an orchestra supporting itself or self-guiding and self-leading, you know, a little bit. I wonder if you might share one of those just quick examples of something that you remember that perhaps fondly of conducting an orchestra of how they supported each other to put, to put together a great performance. Uh, sorry, I didn't really understand the point now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you want to hear an example? Uh, yeah. Specifically, that, yeah. You, you would share of a, a self-motivated of orchestra or yeah, uh, exactly. a, a self problematic situation. Um, it was more of a, well, let's maybe problematic. You talked at one point about, I think uh, they were supporting somebody who had to hit one note. You remember you told a story about a guy having to hit one note at a specific time and how the whole orchestra was sorry, waiting and supporting my microphone. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Now I'm, I'm back. Sorry. I'm oh, back. Okay. Yes. Yeah, no problem. You, Can you, you repeat that? Yes. Yeah. You, you told a story of somebody who had to hit one note at a very specific point in time and something you conducted and how the entire orchestra was supporting this person and ah, no, celebrating when they hit this one note. Yeah. I would love that story was such a fantastic story in my mind. Yeah. Um, it was with a wonderful orchestra in Germany. Um, the triangle had only to play five notes, bum, 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 yeah? yeah, one, two, three, four, five, after one hour. So the conductor stopped the rehearsal and she said, uh, our, our dear colleague, uh, she uh, doesn't really understand what's going on because she has only five notes after one hour. So let's play. The whole orchestra should play for her three, two, three minutes because she has to understand where the music comes from, how to integrate herself only for five notes and uh, uh, how to, to, to finish this kind of sound with the triangle. Uh, and she has to understand the whole story because if there is no information, there is no self-motivation. And I really loved that the orchestra played uh, two, three minutes with the conductor uh, only to support the triangle. And at the end, the lady said, hey, I understand now the whole picture, the whole story. Thank you so much. And uh, 100 musicians performed to support one triangle player. And uh, I really love that because um, this is such a great metaphor that the, the interaction yeah. is everything. And you know, we, say in, in, we say in the orchestral world, we say, of course we have big roles and small roles. Uh, triangle, if, if she has to play only five notes during one hour, maybe it's a small role. Yes. We have big roles and small roles, but we have no unimportant roles because um, the triangle is able to destroy the, the architecture of sound if she doesn't know what's going on and she just hits 
the instrument and basta. And this this wouldn't work. And therefore, we have to find a solution that everyone has has the option to 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 find this kind of identification with the with the product. And uh, um, yeah, this means 100 musicians play for one flute uh, for one triangle. That's a spectacular story. And I know you've made the connection to, you know, good organizations in business that would do the same thing, providing the context so somebody can be successful. That's, thank you for that story. That, that's, a, that's a fantastic story. Um, I wonder if I could shift. The, the, something that's very interesting about your career is that you've also won, you are a Grammy, Grammy-winning recorder and producer of great works. And I'm fascinated by the art and science of music recording. I actually, um, you may know this, I, I, I sing in a rock and roll band, but we, are, we record and I'm actually, my next podcast is with a sound engineer in a recording yeah. studio because I'm fascinated with the whole idea of how do you capture live sound in a recorded setting? I would love to understand a bit from you about how you, what you have to do differently or additionally, to, to also be very successful at recording and producing in addition to conducting? And also, what attracted you to the recording aspect of music? Yeah, after nine years in the music, uh, as a musician, I thought it would be a great idea to produce CDs because I, uh, I had the feeling that a lot of producers don't really understand the psychological situation of musicians and I was a musician and I thought this could be a successful idea. So I worked for Universal Music and I produced uh, almost 200 CDs, uh, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra in, uh, in the United States and uh, or the Metropolitan Opera, the Orpheus Chamber Orchestra, uh, New York. Uh, and uh, But you should understand that a big orchestra, usually if they don't play film music, will be recorded in their concert hall. We need the sound of the concert hall. A studio would be too dry and too small. You don't have a reverb inside of a studio. So big orchestra. Uh, I, I record the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra um, in the Berlin Philharmonic. Yeah. Uh, or uh, I, I forgot the Manhattan Center was our recording studio yeah. in New York. Um, it's a big, big room with a lot of reverb and a natural sound, so you don't have to add anything. Okay. Um, and therefore, um, it, it's a big difference between pop recordings, jazz recordings, with walls, plexiglass walls yeah. between between the musicians, so you can um, so you can mix the sound later. Um, and sometimes musicians in the pop business, you know, the, the first you have the drummer, then next day you have the guitar player, and when all the 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 Musicians uh, did their job. The singer arrives and she, she or he will sing. So yeah. we, we cannot do that. It, okay. We have so many different instruments and so many different colors and sounds. So, um, yeah, we have to record everything in time. Yeah. So do you, do you conduct the recordings that you also produced or are you also producing for other conductors? Did you do both of those? No, I... I was a producer for other conductors. I didn't okay. conduct myself uh, these pieces. Uh, sometimes, yes, of course, two years later, uh, maybe I conducted uh, the same piece, uh, but okay. this, had, this had nothing to do with the recording. Um, and, and it's so important, you know, I, I have my own vision, for example, um, of Beethoven. But if, if I have a wonderful conductor conducting uh, Beethoven or recording Beethoven, it would be a disaster if I want him uh, to to share my vision. Yeah. I have to support him to create and to develop his vision. 
And I'm a little bit out of that. I just want to support that she or he uh, is able to, um, you know, to, to, to create the best of what they want. And even if I don't, if, even if I have the feeling that this is not the Beethoven I would love to hear. So, so in your in that particular case, because you mentioned Beethoven, I know on uh, Spotify, uh, when I searched against your name, I found a number of Beethoven concertos that that you were listed under, and I'm imagining those are some that that somebody else may have conducted, but you you produced and recorded. Is that correct? Uh, no, the Beethoven uh, piano concertos with the Russian National Orchestra yes. was a live recording. Okay. Uh, Beethoven Festival in Bonn, oh. and it's a. Uh, two concerts with all the five Beethoven piano concertos, and I was the conductor. Wow. I was not the producer. I had my own producer. Okay. Um, and uh, so uh, this was my version of Beethoven. Ah, okay. Now, of course, not my version, uh, because there was a pianist. And usually, yeah. if there is a soloist with, uh, playing with the orchestra, violin or concertos or piano concertos, you support the vision of the soloist. Uh, but uh, sometimes the, the, the uh, soloist ha has nothing to do. Uh, only there's, there are only orchestral tutis, as we say, uh, the orchestra is playing alone. And then I have to chance, the chance to create something which is a statement, um, uh, in a, a statement which goes in a different direction um, than the vision of the, of the pianist. So it's a dialogue between two worlds, the orchestra yeah. with the conductor and the soloist with the piano. Yeah? Yeah. And it's a dialogue, it's an interaction. It's fascinating. And, you know, I listened to um, all of those in preparation for this podcast. And I, I, I oh. loved Be Beethoven's piano concertos just in general. And again, not not being myself um, so terribly sophisticated other than appreciating. I do sort of sense an energy to the recordings you put together that remind me of the energy that you had when you spoke to us last year. So my, my assumption is that you 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 may, your vision often includes kind of a, a certain level of energy to the performances that you want to put in there and, and give to the audience, yeah? Yeah, energy is everything, <laughs> David. Yeah. On stage, if you're a performer, energy is everything. Without, without energy, uh, you would, I wouldn't be able to convince 100, 100 eccentric divas on stage. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the audience needs the energy, otherwise they fall asleep. This is, the, this is not what we want. So energy is essential. Yeah. Uh, and, and the musicians have to feel the energy, and if the musicians feel the energy, then the audience is able to feel it. So, um, yeah, no, that, this is really sense, basic. I, yes, I sense that, and I think that that might be in some ways your, one of your, your, your hallmarks. And I know that you, you know, you, every conductor brings a different feel. I, I will tell you the one that my, my wife and I, we do subscribe to the Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra, and it's Yannick Nézé-Séguin is the conductor. Yeah. He brings a certain level of energy that we appreciate that happens to resonate with my wife and myself when we listen to classical music. So, you this know, is I, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, the Philadelphia Orchestra is really wonderful. I, I, I wonder if we could end a little bit, Christian, with, with it's, it's a question I didn't, didn't prepare you for, but it, it's actually a, a question about the current moment. And I wonder if you... You know, what are your thoughts around um, what the, the, the virus is doing to the music, the live music industry? And what are your sort of thoughts, concerns or hopes for how we are emerging from this? I certainly in the United States right now, everything is frozen, you know, and they're trying yeah. these virtual streaming performances. And it's, you know, it obviously has is missing something from the live. Do you have sort of how are you feeling about this now or how are you experiencing this and thinking about the future? Um, I think and I hope 
that next year everything will be fine again because this cannot go on like that. So many orchestras worldwide suffer. They don't play. They have no concerts. The musicians uh, don't earn money. Um, but not only orchestras, you know, theaters. Uh, you know, this is really um, an, an unbelievable difficult period. And I think we cannot... Um, uh, we cannot play only virtual virtual uh, performances in future. We need live performances. We need uh, the, the direct contact to the audience. You know, um, you have to feel what they what the audience is able to feel during the performance, and then the, there is an interaction between the audience and the musicians on stage. If you are in front of a computer uh, only, and or uh, and you don't have uh, emotions uh, concerning the audience i think this is should be and i hope this will be just a period of of one year yeah. and then we come back to to the to the normal life um everywhere i mean it's difficult everywhere but um especially the performers suffer uh, extremely much yeah i agree are there any do you have any advice for my listeners about how we could support performers the example i will give is we're donating money to a theater in the UK that does very nice streaming performances. So we donate some money to their fund to help the actors there. Do you have, are there similar things people should be considering to support performance? It's hard for me to say that because I really don't know what you can do. Uh, I, I, I'm from the orchestral world. Yeah. world and um, to be honest, uh, I think what we need now is we have to accept this drama. We have to accept the situation. It's difficult for, for so many jobs and uh, people worldwide and I think we need to find a solution uh, um, with, uh, how you say that um, medicine and something like that yes. this is the only this is the only hope I have okay. and we need passion to to deal with this situation but there is not the perfect solution uh, we cannot say um, you know we have so many great concert halls worldwide we cannot say okay let's forget that now we we just have live streams uh, for performances uh, this isn't uh, this is just something for a short period but uh, for a long term strategy i would say this this wouldn't work then uh, people don't want to yeah, to 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 see concerts only on the computer because the sound is not good and uh, the sound is quite often yeah. horrible <laughs> if you funny. have a laptop exactly. uh, and and you don't get the whole range of, of yeah. colors and power and uh, yeah. yeah I think we have to be uh, we have to accept this drama and uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that it's only yeah. Uh, it's just for yeah. 2020, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I share your concern and 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 thought. I'm I'm remaining optimistic. If you look at history, you know, music and the arts always come back because people desperately need them to nourish each other. And so I, I, I I'm I sure optimistic that these these come back in some format or another. So yeah, so, I'm sure that yeah. in one year everything will be normal again. But yeah. uh, I'm a little bit sad because great orchestras and you have wonderful orchestras yeah. in the United States, of course uh, they will survive, but maybe some private, small um, chamber orchestras, maybe they don't survive. And this is, uh, this of course is a big, big disaster. Yeah. No, it's, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed as we say. So Maestro, I, I very much appreciate that you joined me today. Um, I'm, I'm looking very forward to the time when we can, all come together again. I would delight in yeah. the chance to have a, a nice class of Gunavetina with you and talk a bit more about music and 
and, and sort of enjoy each other's companies. But in the meantime, I, I very much thank you for sharing your passion and your thoughts with all my listeners. As soon as we have the podcast assembled, I will be sure to send you a link through to it so that you can, you can listen and share it out with your people as well. Thank you so much, David. It was really great to talk to you. Thank you so much. And, and all the best to you. And I hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much. Me too. Um, uh, you... I think we can agree that that was an absolutely fascinating conversation with a fascinating artist and musician. I want to thank Christian Gansch again for joining us all the way from Austria for this wonderful conversation. I want to leave us here with a little bit of a note, kind of building on what we heard him say at the end of the conversation. This is the time right now in the middle of the pandemic to make sure that you donate to and patronize as much as possible your local cultural institutions. While the big symphonies, the major bands, the big movie studios, the big theaters are all likely to survive, it's the small ones, the local theaters, the off-off-off-broadways, the fringes that we need to be supporting with everything we can do, attending their virtual performances, streaming their downloads, interacting with the performers and musicians. We need to keep culture alive during this tough time so that we all get out of it. It's there for us because we will need it. So I'll encourage you to give generously and patronize as much as you possibly can your local theater companies, orchestras, and musicians. Until next time, this is Multovox saying have a great evening.